Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation today, the gospel reading that we heard just a moment ago, especially the verses at the end. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the master. You cannot serve God and money. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, one of the most popular television shows on cable is on the History Channel. You might think that it is a history kind of a show, but the History Channel stopped showing history shows long ago. Most popular show is American Pickers. Maybe you've seen it. If you've seen it, great. If not, I'll give you a little bit of a digest of what goes on. Two guys, they're, they're not related, although it seems like uh, they could almost be married the way they banter back and forth. Mike and Frank have an antique shop in the middle of Iowa. And they drive all over the country looking for treasures, antique kind of treasures. You know the old adage, one man's junk is another man's treasure. They have adventures as they go around. And some of the adventures are downright bizarre. They get into storage facilities, trailers, houses, garages, barns, where no human being has been for years, maybe even decades, sorting through treasures that people have collected over the years. They stored up all this stuff, and now, now it's forgotten. Now, people root through the junk to see if anything has survived the weather and the rust and the animals, and if there might be some tiny bit of resale value. And in the middle of all the junk, every once in a while, there's a treasure. Maybe it's an antique toy. Maybe it's an antique car or motorcycle. But it could be pretty much anything and everything, a tool, a coin, a stamp, a radio, a piece of furniture, a light fixture, you name it, it can possibly be valuable. It can possibly be worth something. Had a recent conversation with a couple and the husband was telling me about his vast collection. Now, it doesn't matter what the collection is. You can fill in the blank. But he was bragging about how for years he had accumulated this particular type of thing. But he had to stop. Why? There was no more room. There was no more room to put any more of his favorite thing. Quite innocently, I looked at him and I said, so um, 
Do you have like a, a plan for your stuff? Immediately his wife says, I've got a plan. Funeral at 10, auction at two. Funeral at 10, auction at two. My friends, the parable before us in Luke 16 teaches us about money and heaven. More specifically, it teaches us about mammon and heaven. So what is mammon? It's not manna, like the bread you eat in the wilderness. Mammon is like money. It certainly includes money, but includes everything that money can buy. All of our toys, all of our stuff, all of our false idols. People tend to trust in their stuff, in their money and the things that money can buy. They go to great lengths to accumulate. They work really, really, really hard scanning the internet, making phone calls, finding the best deal. They are very shrewd and cunning and clever in their dealings as they amass whatever it is they want to amass. We spend so much time, so much energy, so much effort, and oftentimes a small fortune amassing our stuff and then we die and it goes on the auction block or in the dumpster we're all headed to the grave every one of us and we can't change that the parable before us asks a pretty basic question. What or who is your God? Said another way, what or who do you worship? Our parable teaches us about true riches. It's really rather an odd parable, isn't it? It used to be one that I just absolutely feared when it would come up on this particular Sunday in the church here. But I've kind of flipped things around. It's really kind of fun. I think the reason why I didn't like it is because it speaks so much to me. I don't like it when God breaks my idols. And yet I know that God's love is perhaps at its highest when He breaks my idols. 
so that I can see Christ and his cross even more clearly. Jesus tells this story about a rich man who had a manager. The rich man has this manager. He's really a steward. That's what a manager is. He's a caretaker of his accounts. And he wasn't doing a very good job of being a manager, a steward, a caretaker. He was cooking the books. He was cheating. He was swindling. Nobody would know. Well, somebody found out. And they reported it to the rich man. And the rich man, much more merciful than me, the rich man says, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. The manager doesn't plead his case. He knows he's busted. But he still has the books. He's still got a little bit of time. And so the dishonest manager turns his cleverness and his zeal toward what's going to happen next. He says he can't dig or beg. Well, maybe he could, but he doesn't want to. So, he does what he's best at. He continues to cook the books. He continues in his shrewd, clever, dishonest ways. How much do you owe? A hundred? Make it 50. How much do you owe? A hundred? Make it 80. Oh, and by the way, when I need a place to stay, make sure that spare bedroom is available. Maybe even a job. You see what's going on here? In the world, this is how we act, we work, and we live. We know how the world works. We know which side of the bread gets buttered. We know how insurance or taxes or the internet work. And we'll use it to our advantage. Storing up for ourselves money or stuff or ill-gotten friends that we've bought and bribed. Jesus teaches us, and I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. There's three very important words for us when it fails, when it fails, when it fails, go ahead, go ahead and try, go ahead and try and and live like the world does, amass for yourself your mammon, 
and see firsthand that it fails. My friends, money makes a poor God. In the end, it will crush you. Money makes a poor God. Because in the end, it's gone. You can't take it with you. All of these storage facilities that the American pickers sort through and try not to get some disease from all the dirt and the animals looking with their flashlight for some little treasure, that's where our stuff will end up. All these things that we have spent so much time and so much energy doing or accumulating. Moth and rust will destroy. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Treasures in heaven where raw moth and rust cannot destroy. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be as well. My friends, all of our mammon gods will ultimately fail us. That's what Jesus is teaching us in this parable. He's teaching us that our mammon can't save us. So, we sell it all, we give it away, we become a, a monk or a hermit, or go to the poorhouse. No, in the same way that your mammon won't save you, pious poverty won't save you either. Only God through His Son, Jesus Christ, can save us. And that's exactly what He does. There's a great cost to the Gospel. The good news of forgiveness, life, and salvation. The thing is, we don't pay it. We don't buy it. We can't buy anything from God. God is not in the business of selling. God is in the business of giving. And that's exactly what He does. He gives us His greatest treasure. He gives us His Son. Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, takes on flesh and blood. He becomes poor for our sakes to make us rich. Not rich in stuff, rich in forgiveness, life, and salvation. And when we have been set free from the way the world works, we can truly enjoy the gifts God gives us. 
money and all the things that money can buy. These things aren't bad in and of themselves. God gives us more than we can possibly use. And what do we do with it? Hoard it? Buy more stuff? Or do we share it? Share it so that the gospel can be proclaimed. Share it with those who are in need. My friends, today God is teaching us about true riches. What we receive freely, we can give freely. He lifts us out of the power, the death grip that mammon so often has. And he makes us wealthy in the forgiveness of sins, earned and bought by the blood of Jesus. That's what Jesus did. He redeemed us. He, he bought us back. Think of an American Pickers episode where Jesus is searching with the flashlight through all of the stuff and he finds you. And he buys you, not with gold or silver or a traveler's check, but with his holy precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. You are God's treasure. And he gave up Jesus so that he would possess you. So that he could adopt you into his family. My friends, true riches consist in the blood of Jesus which covers over us waters of holy baptism. The blood of Jesus placed into our mouths to eat and drink. Forgiveness, life, and salvation are yours. The 17th century theologian and pastor Johann Gerhardt roughly 400 years ago, preached a sermon on this particular text. And he ended his sermon with this little parable. It goes like this. There was a man who had three friends. The first friend he treated with unbelievable love. Whatever this friend wanted, he gave it to him. There was no food, there was no possession, there was nothing that this friend was deprived of. The second friend, well, he was nice too. He, he took care of this second friend once in a while, but not nearly as much as friend number one. Friend number three, he just didn't have time for friend number three. He was so busy taking care of friend number one that he really didn't have any energy for friend number three. In fact, most of the time, 
he acted as if friend number three didn't exist. One day the man was arrested and brought before the court and authorities and he was charged with his terrible lifestyle and his terrible abuse of those around him. He called friend number one to the stand. Friend number one was silent. He called friend number two to the stand. Friend number two had accompanied him and gone with him to the court. But when the trial started, friend number two left. He had no choice. He had no other option. But he asked friend number three to speak on his behalf. Friend number three not only spoke on his behalf, he paid the penalty for the man's crimes. He paid all of the court costs. And the man was set free. Gerhard goes on to explain. The man who was brought on trial, his first friend, was himself. His second friend, family and friends. The courtroom was the grave site. When the man was dead, he couldn't say anything. His family and friends went to the funeral, and when it was over, they went home. There was only one, only one that he could count on, his third friend that he had so terribly abused during his lifetime. And that third friend was Jesus. Jesus was his advocate. Jesus was his defender. Jesus says, yes, this man is a sinner, but I have shed my blood for him. I have paid his price, set him free. My friends, death awaits all of us. And we have an advocate, an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, crucified and risen for all of the false idols that we have worshiped for all of the times we have taken the things that God has given us and used them and abused them and misused them, for all of the times when we have turned our backs on the needs of others and even the church, for all of our selfish sins, for all of our worship of manna, for all sin, for all time, Jesus has lived, Jesus has died, Jesus lives again. The blood of Jesus sets you free. Free to know and to live with true riches. May God grant it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding. 
Keep our hearts, our minds, our money, and our stuff in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. We stand and sing the offertory.